When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com for all of your equipment, apparel, and accessory needs. They've even got training aids. They've got all the great stuff from all the brands that you hear on our podcast every week. So once again, that is WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You know where to find us all over social media, at Golf Unfiltered. Send me an email, adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. Be sure to tune in Tuesdays now, folks, at least for the foreseeable future. We're going to have a live stream event every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called Stir the Pot, where I'm joined by my two friends on Team GU, Hackett and Tatro, and we talk about all sorts of different things and usually drink a little bit of bourbon and probably make fools out of ourselves. But you can interact with us during those live stream events right there in the chat box. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland and Srixon and Zegzio. A little bit more about them here in just a little bit. And, of course, hi to all of you listening to this on the hackersparadise.com and the THP mobile app. Before we get any further, I want to just draw your attention, of course, the podcast network is growing. We, are, of course, are affiliated with the Hackers Paradise from a uh, THP radio network standpoint, and they now have two more great shows on their network, and that includes Range Days and Off the Course. So be sure to listen to both of those. You want to go onto iTunes and subscribe to THP Radio be sure to, uh, to listen to all that great stuff. It's just great, great banter for these days that we are stuck indoors, at least for a little bit longer, listening to podcasts, watching live streams. Today's guest, folks, is Mr. Jeff Brunsky. He is the vice president of research and development over at Cleveland, Srixon, and Zegzio. Had the opportunity to meet Jeff for the first time face-to-face in Orlando this past year. Uh, we touch on a lot of different things. We touch on uh, his philosophy with R&D. We touch on his time in uh, R&D throughout uh, his time over at the company. We actually touch on a little bit the early days of the merger between Cleveland, Srixon, and Zegzio. And so uh, it was actually really eye-opening. I didn't know a lot about the stuff that Jeff and I talked about today. And of course, there's a lot of chatter about the relationship, the cohesiveness that is required between R&D and marketing and how consumers benefit from all of that. And certainly, Cleveland, Srixon, and Zexio, they do a they do a great job with, with everything that they do in terms of getting the message out to people, making sure that consumers are the best informed in the business so that they know that they're getting the best stuff they can. And we touch a little bit on Jeff's personal website. That was something that he didn't expect. So sorry, Jeff. Hope I didn't uh, embarrass you at all. But it's actually a really good website, and I encourage you to go find it. So at any rate, sit back and relax. We'll be right back after a short word with Mr. Jeff Brunsky from Cleveland, Strixon, and Zexio. I know you love the game, even though it drives every single one of us crazy. Hi, this is Bill Hobson, and I host the Four Golfers Network podcast, where we celebrate golf in every way imaginable. 
You'll hear interviews with the biggest names in the sport, travel features, special contests, and we even take your calls. So after you listen to Adam and Golf Unfiltered, give us a try. Subscribe to the 4Golfers Network podcast. That's F-O-R-E on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere else podcasts are found. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, really, really excited to have on Mr. Jeff Brunsky. He is the vice president of R&D over at Cleveland, Srixon, Zegzio. Jeff, it's so nice to speak with you today. How are you? Doing well. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, we got a lot of golf talk that we're going to get into, and listeners know that I'm a huge supporter of the brands that you represent. Before we get into that, I see that you've been with uh, Strixon, Cleveland, Zegzio for quite a while. Uh, what was your first job over at the company? Yeah, I started there in the R&D department as a performance research engineer. I think that was the official title. I was a mechanical engineer in college, so coming out of it, that's typically the kind of uh, background that uh, golf club manufacturers are looking for to do some of that general research. So I was working a lot on uh, some of the Cleveland woods back in the day of early mid 2000s there like the high board days um that was definitely a pretty fun gig right out of college yeah yeah i remember those those were fantastic fantastic clubs i mean that that was just a fun time to play golf too um you know obviously your time at cleveland strix on zegzio you've been there for a while as we mentioned and you've held a number of positions up until your current position as vice president of r&d uh and you've had that for two years now yeah, that's correct. And so how has your... Yeah, and... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I thought if you're looking just the general roles, I was going to sort of mention how it, it's evolved definitely on our side from, you know, when I joined the company, we were Cleveland Golf. And then a few years later, we merged with Strixon and Zexio. So there's definitely been some transitions there over the years and figuring out um, each brand's place in the market and the sort of growing together of the two companies. So it's been an interesting journey for sure. Well, and, and on that point, and that's a good thing to point out, you know, there were those transitions along the way. And so the the fit among those three companies, uh, would you say that everyone, all three of the companies kind of had the same uh, mission, had the same vision of where golf equipment should go? I think there was a little bit of conflict initially, probably mostly between actually kind of all three brands had interesting different backgrounds. I mean, Zexio only recently has gotten a foothold here and been growing so, so well in the U.S. So that was always just initially, you know, the division the was that was a brand that was extremely successful in Japan. And I don't think there was any initial thoughts to right away bring that into the U.S., but so the, the question was kind of how do Cleveland and Strixon coexist? Where do we position each of them? And I think it has taken some time, but I think we've arrived at a place where the Strixon is really more designed for the better player out there, the forged iron that makes sense, and the Cleveland brand positioning. Obviously, we make wedges for everyone. We make some of the best wedges out there, mm-hmm. but for the woods and irons in particular, the, those have become much more focused on the avid player, the weekend warrior, the game improvement type of player. And so there is a lot of talk, of course, in any industry, certainly in golf, the different, I guess, categories or buckets that different products fall in. And certainly the different demographics or types of players 
that are the target for those products. When you're talking about R&D, when you're considering all three of these brands, how does that process work from your point of view? Yeah, that's a great question because it's so important that you identify who are you making this for and what is that player's need? What are they, where are they losing strokes around the course? What are they looking for in their equipment? And so the process looks like it's pretty detailed and technical. I mean, we're getting down to what are you take the target player segment. Let's say you're looking at a player from handicap 10 to 20. Mm-hmm. You know, we have so much data over the years of these players hitting an R testing, even on course data that you can just start slicing and dicing the data, understanding, you know, what is the attack angle for a seven iron? of a 10 to 15 handicapped player who has a swing speed of this or that, there's just become so much more data now than there used to be that from an R&D standpoint, it's pretty easy to start to understand who are these players, their swings are different than other players, where they're losing strokes around the course is different. And the process kind of starts there and you start to analyze, all right, how do we, how do we improve performance for this player segment, this mm-hmm. specific target player? You know, and I'd imagine and the that... market, the marketing team is doing that as well. Just right. to quickly wrap up, the marketing team is thinking about, okay, well, then from a pricing standpoint too, or like a purchasing habit, what is, what is that type of player doing? How much does your spend? So there's a whole counterpart on the other side of the building with the marketing as well. Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly where I wanted to go next because you guys have to stay in close contact with one another, and I'd imagine that. You know, with the three different companies, and as you explained, you know, it's sometimes easier said than done to really convey that message from both a design perspective and a marketing perspective to say, hey, player X, this is really going to fit best for you. How does that message change, if at all, if, say, there's somebody who's just used to the name recognition of Cleveland? And they say, you know what, I, I want to play these clubs, but perhaps they may actually benefit a little bit more from one of the other two brands. Yeah, that's a that's a difficult situation to be in because we definitely don't think all of our brands can be everything to everyone. And we, we do think it's most effective to start segmenting them and positioning them differently. So if there's a player who just is, you know, I want to play this, I want to play Srixon or I want to play Cleveland, but I'm looking for this we might not have that product in the lineup. And I think it's our job, our marketing team's job, the sales team's job to make sure that the people, the retailers out there, the customers out there, they understand what is this product, who is it for? Because we certainly can't make just everything for everyone within every brand. There'd be kind of no reason for having these different brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is, it is segmented. They are separate. And I think that's entirely smart. I mean, and obviously you, you've had a lot of success as a company, as an umbrella of companies in, uh, you know, not only the better player category, but of course, as you mentioned, in ca- player categories across the spectrum. When you talk about the philosophy of R&D, you know, there's a lot of improvement on one product one year over the next. And we see everything from, you know, upgrades, whether it be, you know, in woods and irons and wedges, what have you, golf balls. But in your perspective, what is your philosophy with the new releases? Is it to improve on something that was proven to be successful, or do you kind of try to sprinkle in something that's just a brand new, fresh look? 
That's uh, yeah. I think there's different cases. I, it's hard to say that there's one universal approach. There's have you ever heard the term? There's the most advanced yet acceptable product. Yeah. There's yep. this term that people throw around. Yeah. You're looking to you can advance things obviously too far that the market doesn't like it. They don't like what they see. It's too confusing. It's unfamiliar and kind of scary. And you can somewhat be ahead of your of the time there. The market's not ready for a product. So from an R&D standpoint, I, I think it's pretty universal to say we're always trying to throw as much as we can into the product and improve performance as much as we can. There's very few, I remember thinking early on in my career, like we better save some of this stuff for like the next generation. What are we <laughs> going to do next? But right. there's really not a whole lot of that. It's like, what can we get into this product and pack it with performance? But then there usually is a case-by-case analysis of are we building on something that people are really familiar with, really like, really accept, and it's a really sensitive target player that doesn't want to see something that different? Or are we targeting a player? Usually it kind of skews by handicap, right? Like the scratch players out there are most sensitive to what they like to see and tend to not want to see something too different. So mm-hmm. the more game improvement I think the product is, the more we can tend to take some liberties to really sprinkle in something no one's ever seen before. Um, so it's a, it's a case-by-case basis, but I think if I had to break it down one way, it might be that handicap range of traditionalists versus people who, hey, I'll, I'll look at anything if you can help me hit the ball straight. Yeah, well, amen to that. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm definitely in that same boat. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's me. Agreed. Yeah, and listeners know I've, I play Cleveland Strixon throughout my bag, and you know I've got the 785 irons. Absolutely love them. I've played with the Z Forged as well, and I've, I've you know landed on a combo set of the two. And you know it's just funny to say, to uh, funny to see, especially now where there are a lot of brands that are really focusing on the combo sets, and certainly Srixon, in my case, you know the clubs that I play, they they did that extremely well, where everything is very seamless. Do you feel that uh, that's a that's a you know priority for R and D these days is for the budding trend of combo sets? It definitely is, and especially in the Srixon products, I think you nailed it more than any other of the products we make. The sore players are all mixing their bags. You've got five series, seven series blades. So it's just obvious that better players are looking to do that. They're trying to construct the optimal set. And if you design these irons in a way that don't flow together, you can't do that. You're just not serving what those players need. So for sure, it goes like right into the product spec. As we start designing a next generation of Strixon irons, it's like these have got to flow together. Um, ideally, if you could just combo different sets and the gapping works out, we could think about that and try to execute that. So it's, it's a very much a priority and not really negotiable in the Strixon irons. Yeah, well, that's that's a good thing to hear, too, for fans of the brand. And I know you've got a lot of them listening to this episode. And, you know, something that you mentioned earlier, Jeff, where, you know, it's it's a challenge to kind of provide maybe a new look or sprinkle something new in for a demographic that might not be familiar with a particular new product. The same can be said, at least stateside, for Zegzio. I mean, obviously you had mentioned that, uh, you know, Zegzio, really big in Japan, really big overseas. At the PGA Merchandise Show this year in Orlando, Zegzio was right up front. It was almost like the primary focus of your booth. 
maybe talk a little bit about that decision to really have that as soon as you walk in. Zegzio's right there. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, folks aren't familiar. Zexio has been, I think it's safe to say it's been the number one brand in Japan for two decades. So mm-hmm. just hugely successful. And it's really just specifically designed for moderate swing speed players. We've honestly just had an amazing run of introducing it here in the U S and we focused on making sure people could hit it, you know, getting it into people's hands. It is a different product. It feels different. You can tell when you swing it. It works for a lot of people, not everyone, but if you're kind of on the slower end of that average swing speed, it works for you. I think our we're really starting to, for the last few years, media has kind of been saying like, well, this Zexio thing is interesting too, like this niche thing that's going on over here. Mm. I think we're trying to make sure people understand this is not a niche category of players or a niche product line. This is a global power brand. Uh, that we think could be uh, and has been growing exceptionally well in the U.S. So we want to get the word out. And I think that was a little bit of the intention of you see tricks on on tour. You see it every weekend. Some of the best players in the world. The U.S. market's very familiar with Cleveland. Hey, everyone, there's this other brand here that's, that's pretty special. So for listeners who didn't have the chance to go and see the booth and maybe are still interested to learn a little bit more about Zexio. And you pointed out, I mean, obviously correctly, where it's it's this huge brand that's been around for, for a long time. From a design perspective, what are some of the things that our listeners should look for in terms of a difference between Cleveland Rexon and then you've got Zexio? It is, first and foremost, just from you know the R and D product standpoint, the, the Zexio products are very lightweight. They're they're designed easier to swing, and they're also I wouldn't say it's hard to say that they have the best technology, but the price points are much higher than Cleveland and Strixon even. Mm-hmm. So we generally don't have as many constraints from an R and D standpoint to say, hey, let's use this exotic alloy. Uh, we couldn't afford it in this other driver that we're trying to sell at five hundred dollars, but we can afford it in the Zexio. So there really is often uh, the ability to pack a lot more into it. So players should just look for a golf club that's much more forgiving. It's going to be easier to swing. And if you are a tour player or you swing like a tour player, or high swing speed, it's, it's not really for you. Um, we've introduced this brand Zexio X, mm-hmm. which is trying to, it's made them a little more, the product a little more, conducive to the moderate, moderate to high, medium swing speed. So there are a few more options for people who want to get into Zexio. But for the most part, kind of the wheelhouse player is maybe you are a better player, but you're starting to lose distance. Um, so moderate swing speed players look for a lighter, easier swing golf club. And once again, folks, we're talking to uh, Mr. Jeff Brunsky. He's the vice president of R&D over at Cleveland Strixon and Zexio. And Jeff, you know, obviously we are in a, a weird time right now uh, at the time of this recording uh there's a lot of states that uh, still can't play golf and obviously i'm talking of course about covid and there's been a lot of discussion around the industry of how covid is impacting a lot of different things from an r&d process standpoint how have things been impacted from the pandemic yeah it is definitely a different world and um everyone knows that it is challenging from an R&D standpoint from a lot of different ways and it it's funny because it started the, like the reverse challenge has happened we initially saw the virus 
break out in Asia, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the concern at that point, what was affecting us was that, you know, our supply chain and some of the factories were shut down and we were very nervous about how are we going to get back up and running and get parts moving again. And now it has reversed to where those factories are actually open, fully staffed, and the supply chains are starting to move again. But here in the U.S., the R&D side is, you know, we're all at home working remotely. So that's been an interesting evolution to kind of see like, oh, it's all happening over there. Uh, Not so much. Now it's here. But yeah, it's player testing. I mean, we used to do player testing with amateurs daily Mm -hmm. and now we can't do that. So there's a lot more of a reliance on simulation. And um, the other big one that's tough is 3D printing. Um, We would be printing 3D models daily to take a look at the shape and understand how the club's going to fit and just kind of see where we're at. And we can't do that now. So Hmm. there's a lot of virtual screen sharing these days (laughs) and uh, we're making do, but that's definitely been a challenge. Has has that been probably the biggest challenge is just trying to learn how to, to work remotely? I think with the virus, as we, relate to R&D, that's for sure. We're, you know, cranking up all these video calls and the chat, um, Microsoft Teams and Slack and figuring out, okay, we used to just kind of turn your chair around and talk to this person over here and then check in with marketing over there. Now everyone is remote. So there's been a, a steep learning curve and no one's really moved the product launches back too much. So we're still trying to hit the same deadline. But there have been some benefits. Like it is amazing when everyone is at their computer and no one is pondering around a building, you can get a hold of anyone uh, right away. So that's actually kind of been a, a nice benefit to the situation. Yeah, that, that is very true actually. Um, you know, so listeners also know I've, I've got a day job that when I'm not doing this and we're all at home too, obviously. And so it's almost like the, you know, you can get in touch with anybody really so easily. And I, I couldn't imagine how the world would be 10 years ago. It's so it's uh there's a lot of bright spots that we could still get stuff done. I definitely feel like we're going to come out of it from an R and D standpoint stronger. Like we have all these new tools and um, you've had to adapt to this. So we'll have that uh, moving forward, which is definitely a silver lining to an otherwise terrible situation. Yeah. Very true. Now you mentioned uh, release cycles, product launches. Uh, you had mentioned that, they haven't been pushed back too much. That's that's actually really good news. So things are pretty much still on schedule in that realm. Yeah, that's true. We, for the most part, what we are working on here in the spring of 2020, their products that are launching in spring of 21 or even the fall of 2021. So we're we're pretty far out ahead of everything, and expectations are hopefully things are relatively back to normal then and we're still trying to hold those product launches. So as of now, no one has backed up any schedules for me and we're full steam ahead trying to keep the same products moving and keep those launch dates uh, achievable. That's fantastic to hear. Absolutely. And so, you know, obviously we referenced the PGA show earlier in this episode. Um, What's your opinion on the PGA show coming up? Do you think there'll be one in January? Will there be one at all in 2021? Huh. I had not thought about that. I, boy, your guess is as good as mine. I think that (laughs) there are people who say, you know, some companies have pulled out in recent years and that that sort of thing is 
not a great return on investment, but at the same time, uh, maybe there's going to be a pent up demand and a really excitement to get back out there and uh, show the industry what you've got. So I could see it going either way, I suppose. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thought. I guess it's pretty far out there, but they're even talking about football seasons not going maybe in the fall. So right. who knows? Yeah, I mean, well, at the time of this recording, the NFL draft is tonight, and it's, I think Roger Goodell's in his basement. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so uh, once again, folks, we're talking to Mr. Jeff Bronski. He's the vice president of R&D over at Cleveland Strixon Zegzio. Jeff, I don't want to put you on the spot, but in my uh, my research prior to speaking with you, I want to talk a little bit about jeffbrunsky.com. You've got a website. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's <laughs> yeah. say... Side project, I would call that a little uh, fun hobby. I'm trying to learn some uh, website building there. Don't mind, don't mind that, please. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's really good, and you know the reason I even bring it up is because obviously you know you've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of experience in your background. You have a lot of great stuff to read, and so you know R and D. When people hear about research and development, at least I know I felt this way. Um, it's kind of an intimidating thing. I mean, you, you think about all the work, all the, the, the metrics, the physics, everything that goes into club design, you know, for someone that wants to learn a little bit more about R&D and appreciate all the work that you guys do, where should they turn? I mean, I think you've tried to do that in some of the, for example, the book list that you re- reference in your website. Would you recommend that golfers educate themselves a little bit more on the R&D side of things? Yeah, I think that uh, a little bit of where some of that kind of side project has grown out of, because I, I felt the same way of coming out of my undergrad engineering career. You can be pretty well-versed in engineering, but engineering is different than product development. And, you know, we hire people who do CAD design and product design, and everyone's got a little bit of a different background usually coming into R&D, but everyone does product development. So my a lot of my stuff I try to focus on with that project is giving people sort of a universal background in product development. I don't think there is a really great place. Um, there's lots of product management lessons and resources online, but I'm still looking for that product development boot camp that I can plug everyone into. So if you find that, let me know. But <laughs> what I would say is like the Trackman University or some of some things resources like that that are golf specific if people learn, can learn the fundamentals of golf club performance or just the general parameters of the swing and head delivery and what happens to the ball. So we, we definitely encourage a lot of our new hires to go through those types of training. Uh, and I think that's good for anyone out there. Yeah, I mean, it's great to just get more educated, especially if you're going to spend the money that people need to spend to enjoy the game to the level that they want to enjoy it. Because when you talk about, and we talk about this a lot on on this podcast, you talk about lessons, you talk about custom fitting, you talk about, of course, the best products out there. And you need to know how, well, you need to be an educated consumer. And I think in that regard, especially as more brands, and certainly Cleveland Strixon and Zexio is no exception to this, Brands like to focus in on certain elements of the new releases. And so, you know, educating yourself on what those new elements are and how it makes sense and how it could relate to your game, you know, I would say that that's an extremely important thing. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. And I think, you know, a podcast like this, you're doing a service to certainly educate consumers and 
There are plenty of blogs out there. Hackers Paradise, obviously, is doing a lot to educate consumers. I, the R&D teams, uh, I can't speak for everyone else, but our teams are on those sites a lot throughout the day and just kind of keeping an eye on what's going on. But there are also educational tools there, and obviously they're geared toward consumers, and I think the more people can educate themselves, the better. You, you know, obviously, that's not going to help. That's not going to hurt you in a purchasing process. But I will say I think we do try to understand that not everyone has the time to go out there and do a ton of research and figure out the physics, and you shouldn't have to have a PhD to buy the right golf club. So we do try to keep that in mind, and more and more I think we owe it to the market to deliver good fitting tools and educational, um, good, accurate marketing content. I think there are too many times where people say this is the perfect golf club or this is optimized for everyone. Like, well, not really. Let's, let's be more specific about who is this for and why is it better. So that just made me think of a, of a quick question, and I don't know if this is controversial or not, so forgive me if it comes across that way, but would you say that the best marketers in golf have a solid understanding of R&D and vice versa? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's too controversial because I think my answer is probably pretty safe and vanilla that everyone working in marketing and the golf industry has an understanding of, of fundamental product performance. If they don't, they're listening to R and D people. So I think, uh, they're generally having a good background, whether they're being totally honest in every situation, maybe that's the controversial (laughs) question. Fair. I'm not going to get into that that's fair that's fair well that's in any industry let me tell you let me tell you uh but at any rate uh once again folks that's mr jeff brunsky he's the uh, vice president research and development over at cleveland Srixon, and zegzio jeff uh thanks so much again for coming on our podcast i hope we can do it again in the future maybe we'll bump into each other if they have a pga merchandise show in orlando next year but above all else i hope you're staying safe thank you very much appreciate the time